The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Loving That Sports Talk with your host, James Loving. If you're looking for a fast-paced show that covers football and so much more, this is the place to be. Now, here's your host, formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles, James Loving. This is James Loving, host of Loving That Sports Talk. Got a co-host, Terry Jackson. TJ, you there? I'm here, love. And we got our other main man, our host, Galen Thaxton, back. Galen, you're back. I'm here. That's good to have you, Gary. We missed him, don't we, Terry? Yes, we do. <laughs> you know, I ain't going to say it, but, you know, we, me and Terry's crying, you know, like, where's Galen, you know, crying. You know what I'm saying, Galen? Now, they'll be crying and stuff, man. <laughs> it's going to look you bad. Know people go to the movies and they start crying. Me and Terry just was crying. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, this is a pleasure for me, you know. I know how it is, you guys. We'll talk about a few minutes. I'd like to get y'all view on it, but. You know, I'm down here at the Boys and Girls Club of Wyoming, down in North Casper. You know, and this would be an honor to, you know, a few questions to you guys. You know, these programs that they have for the kids, and when we was growing up, this was one way of the kids being paid and having a place that they can come and, you know, get respect and a lot of things. What do you guys think about these kind of programs? Well, I think they're they're needed in, in every community. Uh, you know, it gives the kids an opportunity to get out and meet other kids. Um uh, do sports and, 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 uh, you know, be competitive and, and, and have a good time. Uh, I think they do a uh, number of field trips and, and educational stuff as well. So, uh, we've got a great boys and, glo- and girls club here in Casper, and, uh, I think it's been a wonderful benefit for our young kids. Galen? Yes, Galen, and absolutely, those clubs are just wonderful for the kids to be out and go have an opportunity to compete against other kids and have some, um, camaraderie and Things of that nature, I think, is wonderful for them. And again, like Terry said, they need to be in every community. You know, I give those kids an opportunity just to get out, keep them out of trouble. So, guys, and this is this comes up to like when I was watching uh, when we get to you know watching sports and and first take, and it's talking about how um, these kids have been nowadays have been taught and trained different about sports, uh, the educational sports, educational life. And like these programs, you know, if they had more of these where the kids can come and be educated at least about, you know, education first, you know, and sports. Am I right, guys? Oh, absolutely. Um, and, you know, the guys that work there, the guys and gals that work there, uh, if you've ever been around a daycare center or a, a boys and girls club, <clears throat> you got to have great admiration for the patients and, 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 and the time that these guys put in with these kids and, um, you know, if, if you've got your own kids and you send your own kids there, you know, you, you, you want to know that they're being taken care of and, and that they're being taught the right things. And, and these guys do that. Um, and, and I think they do a great job. Yeah, for the staff, you know, to put in their time and effort to try to help these kids. And I tell you, it's, 
it's great for them to do that. And I wish I had an opportunity to, to uh, be involved in kids' lives more. I do coach and, and things of that nature. But, uh, you know, it's just wonderful that those kids have good mentors there so that, you know, they can keep them on the right track, uh, teach them some things they may not be able to get taught at home. You know, uh, so many of the kids don't have a father at home or they may not have a mother at home. And, you know, for them to go there to have some adult supervision and, and some guidance is wonderful. You know, Galen, I'm glad you said that because this is another question to bring up. I think me and you talked about this, Terry. I know we did, but our, our athletes role model, you know, maybe you and you guys correct me what, but I think a, a kid role model should be their parents. Those are the person who put the food on the table, the ones that bring them, you know, put clothes on the back and there to hold them when they're crying. Do you guys agree with that, or, or what's your take on that? Well, we we as parents all, always think that our, we should be the role models for our own kids. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um but, you know, of course our kids are gonna are gonna see things different, you know, uh, as who they take in as their role models. Um when I was in school I had I had numerous role models. It, it, you know, from coaches to teachers to to um other people on T V that, that, you know, I wanted to be like. So, you know, growing up and being a kid, you know what your parents do for you. Um, but it doesn't necessarily register until you get old enough to, to realize and understand the, the trials and that they have went through um, to make your life what it is. So, you know, yeah, absolutely parents should be the role models, and but kids sometimes don't see it that way, and, and I can't say if that's a fault for them or not, but uh, sometimes that's just not the way it is. Yeah, and, you know, I agree with that. I mean, we've talked about this before in the past that, you know, the kids' role models of who they make their role models, and most of the time it's not the parents because they see their parents every day, day in and day out, but when they see these athletes on TV, they put them on a pedestal. And so they want to be like them, at least their mask or perception they, they give off on the field, the court, or in, on you know playing golf or whatever you want to, whatever puts you in the limelight. And so they want to strive to be like them as it relates to being famous and, and dealing with the media and, and the perception that, you know, most good athletes give off, you know. But as they get older, they understand what their parents have done for them, uh, the hard work they've put in raising them, the money they've invested into them, then the role models are their parents, you know. But I think early on, it's those athletes. And so as an athlete, you have a responsibility. And, you know, the, the money that these athletes are being paid these days, they're not only uh, getting paid to play their sport, but they're also paid to represent a franchise in the appropriate light. And so, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's both. The parents should be a role model and as well as an athlete. So so what you're saying, Galen, as, as a role model, you, you mean the parents, I, I, I'm, correct me now, should only be the role model inside the household, and when they get outside, they got these athletes. Because if if I want an athlete, you know, like you're saying, being my role model, I, I look up to an athlete, right? Yep. And the things that he accomplished and how he accomplished it. But, you know, it's more strongly like, you know, you have these teachers that's not getting the credit they should have of teaching these kids day in and out, eight hours, but, you know, all the other people that's there for them, you know? And yeah, absolutely. But above everybody else. Why is that, guys? It's not prestigious enough being a teacher. You deal with teachers day in, day out. It's not prestigious enough. And so kids don't make them their role models. Now, they may credit them in the future that such and such, you know, uh, 
James Levin was my teacher in such and such a grade, and he was a wonderful role model for me. He helped keep me on track and so forth. But at the time when they're going through it, they're not looking at it that way because they don't see the benefit yet until you get older. But I'm not saying that the off the field or in the household they're not the role model or out of the household they are or whatever. I'm just saying that kids are going to make their role models who they're going to make them. And so most of the time it's going to be someone who is famous, who's in the limelight. And um, unfortunately that's the case. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, He's absolutely right. (coughs) The kids are not going to have a role model necessarily be a teacher while they're in class and the teacher's making them work every day just as well as they're not going to have a role model as their mom or dad when they're making them take out the garbage and do their chores and do their homework every day and telling them, no, you can't go to the movies today, maybe this weekend, or, you know, having to set forth punishment for these kids. No, they're not their role models, but when kids mature and they realize, oh, you know what, I'm on the right track, and that's basically because my parents were good people and they kept me in line, and that's when they start appreciating those kinds of things. So, you know, the the, the athletes and, and, and the superstardom is, is what's right there in front of them, um, and, and that's something that they can see now. I want to be like Mike. Um, they don't see uh, the parents keeping them on the right track, making them get their homework done and getting good grades so that they can move on, you know, until the later time. So, I think that's 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 the major deal. You know, Terry, I wanted to hear what you had to say because uh, Gavin made a good point. And I was waiting for you guys, and you all both made that point. Was they don't see it as they see it as the um, the money and the, the fame. And you guys were right. That's what I kind of wanted to hear you guys say. You know, and it's true. The kids see you know the cars, the rim, the jewelry. You know, but it's it's the thing that got them there. The parents been in the household. You know what I'm saying? Right. They look at these guys as the role models, and you know, but. My question to you guys is, uh, the guys that like the Metal World Peach, you know, that gets in all these fights and hit, you know, people, kids still look up to them. Why? Do they like seeing those type of things? Or is it still that he's in the spotlight of having the money and fame? Well, I I haven't seen anybody wearing a Metal World Peach jersey. <laughs> but, I mean, I know they wear Kobe, you know, that kind of thing, but I haven't seen too many Metal World Peach jerseys. Um and if, you know, if our kids are appreciating that kind of thing, um, I think it's just a little immaturity. But I don't necessarily know that Meta World Peace can be a role model at this point. Um, he was trying to, um, you know, regain some things from the last incident he was in, which was, which was a pretty elaborate incident when uh, they went in the stands and went after some people, and he got caught up into that big mess. But... You know, again, we got to realize, and, and this is where I think kids need to be brought down to earth uh, at home with parents saying, you know what, he's just a dude. He's just another guy who made a mistake. He's human. Uh, he made a dumb mistake. He did something stupid. And, and there's no way that that should have happened, and it doesn't belong in the sport that they're playing, okay? And that stuff needs to be explained to them. I don't, But I don't see anybody being a, a metal world piece. Um, role model uh, fan. I, I have a hard time believing that one. You know, I mean, you can change the name of a person, but it's what comes out that really says what that person is. And what we see him doing to, to Harding, whatever his name is, it's, it's, it's uncalled for, very unfortunate. And I think the majority of people, especially when you get the backlash from the media and from, you know, the uh, suspension and so forth, 
kids aren't going to look up to somebody like that because they know that type of behavior is wrong. And, you know, you know, kids who go out there and mimic uh, world peace in that regard <laughs> are being probably misguided by a coach or just need to sit down and take a back seat and told the right things to do. So, you know, Metal World Peace is, you know, the majority of people are going to want to be getting his jerseys or following him. And, you know, like, it's like they say, you can change you can change his name, but it didn't change him. Yeah, you know what, guys? Let me let me ask you this, Galen and Terry. I know Galen, you from Denver. Terry, you from Casper. You made a good point, Terry, about the boys' club and um, all that in Casper. Reflect on that back growing up here and knowing the boys' club. And Galen, reflect on back in Denver how it is, because I know when I grew up in Chicago and Robbins, you know the, the neighborhood was so bad, and you have these t- type of programs that could pull you out away from that. You know, and if, as we know with kids. Any little thing we see, we won't get in trouble. It's just there, right, guys? Yeah, uh, you know, we we can we we can make our own trouble. That's that's for as kids. Um, I never had the experience of going to the uh, boys and girls club as, as as being a member or anything um, when I was a kid here in Casper. Um, you know, we had parks and different things like that. We also had the rec center when I was growing up here. That was new. And, and that was uh, where everybody went to, to play basketball and stuff like that. And then, you know, in the evenings, we, we'd go to the parks and stuff. So I, I never actually attended the Boys and Girls Club until probably I was an adult and playing, you know, city league basketball or and that kind of thing. But um, So I can't speak too much on that as far as what it did for me because uh, I didn't have that. But we did have something similar, which was the, the recreation center and, you know, uh, we spent a lot of time there. We put in a lot of hours uh, playing and having fun and, you know, getting educated on life and, and people and, and everything else. You know, Galen, before you come on and talk, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back out. We have a guest, and we're going to explain this to him, and we got, we're going to ask him some questions. So this is James Loving, host of Loving Sports Talk with co-host T. Jackson, and, you know, other host Galen Thaxon is back. Glad to have you, Galen. Thank you. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Play ball! If you're looking to talk baseball, even in the offseason, look no further than the King's Corner Talking Baseball with former World Series champion Jim Lairitz. Jim's known for a rather controversial stance during his show. He's brutally honest and ready to talk with current and former players, owners, and other key figures to bring you baseball from an insider's view. You won't want to miss a single episode. The King's Corner, Talking Baseball with Jim Lairitz is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about, either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go? You're not going to be shy here. Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is. Do you feel the need for speed? 
Whatever your addiction, NASCAR, IndyCar, NHRA, Formula One, or even lawnmower racing, Pit Pass USA has got you covered. Larry Henry here, host of Pit Pass USA. I put my 30-plus years of being a motorsports broadcaster to work to bring you not only the best guests, but also the most interesting guests in racing. Pit Pass USA with Larry Henry. Your front row seat to the world of racing. Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Channel. Be there or get a DNF. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're hooked up with Loving That Sports Talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is James Loving, the host of Loving That Sports Talk. Back with the show. Terry, TJ, you there? I'm here. And Galen Daxton. Galen, you're back with us. I'm here. Thank you. Galen, please don't leave us no more. Please. <laughs> well, guys, you know, uh, we've been talking about, you know, how program the Boys and Girls Club and, you know, how help, you know, can help. But you know what? It's, I am proud that I had got a chance and, um, to meet this young man, um, young, young, you know, my age looking young like me, you know. Ashley Bright, he's the CFO of the Girls and Boys Club of Simple Central Wyoming. How you there, Ashley? I'm doing great, James and guys. How are you guys? Good. Wonderful. Well, well, actually, we're going to bomb away with your question and all that, but first we were talking about, you know, you know how coming up and how the Boys Club helped us and kept us off the streets and sent our trouble. Not only sent our trouble, but a place to feel safe and learn educational-wise a different program. Explain what you, you guys do for um, the kids out here. Sure, sure. Well, I've, I've been in Boys and Girls Club work as a, as a professional for 21 years now, 21-plus. And I started my career in Tacoma, Washington, and we had uh, uh, John Kitna and Lawyer Malloy uh, live within 10 blocks away from our club there, and they were everyday uh, club kids and uh, would come down uh, it, while they were in college. That's w- when I knew them, when they were in college, and, and uh, come and visit the club and talk about the impact that it, that it made on them. Um, but I started my career there in Tacoma. Uh, on the east side, and, and I was there six years and was a program director. And from there I went to the uh, – I, I went and did a Boys and Girls Club plant in Great Falls, Montana, and then I've been here since 1999. Basically our, our mission is to empower all young people, especially those who need us most, uh, to realize their full potential as productive, responsible, caring community members. Um, our, our vision is to uh, provide a, a safe place for, for every child. And then we do that through core program areas in education, health, and recreation. And uh, we have uh, wonderful staff who are trained mentors, a uh, uh, lot of educational uh, uh, backgrounds that, that, that the staff has, has in terms of uh, college or um, their training, and, um, and also uh, sports and fitness. And, uh, and so we uh, mentor the kids. The programs become kind of a bait. So the kids can uh, come in, and uh, and and uh, and we were there for them. It's just ten dollars a year to join Boys and Girls Club, and and even with that, we won't turn anybody away for financial reasons. And uh, and yeah, that we're set up all over the country like this, 
Um, we have 4,000 boys and girls clubs around the, around the country. We have clubs all over the, uh, the uh, military bases around the world. Uh, the military youth centers are now chartered boys and girls clubs. And uh, we, have, um, we have wonderful training. Uh, we have affiliations with Major League Baseball, with the NFL, with uh, a lot of the major uh, corporate companies like Coca-Cola and Taco Bell and, and, and those kind of uh, organizations and companies. But, yes, the kids come in, and uh, it's free choice. They can go in the gym. Uh, they can go in the education room. They go in the technology room. Uh, they can go in the games room. But we always encourage the kids to get their homework done. So uh, when they come in, that's our staff. You know, that's one of the first things they how's the, how was your day at school, and do you have your homework done? And then if they need help, we have uh, tutors here that help them every day, and uh, we have a separate uh, team program as well for for those kids who are older, a place for them to to hang out and and to. Uh, uh, get their get their stuff done. Uh, we've also affiliated ourselves with uh, boxing, and uh, that's that's a, a a new reinvented venture for the bo- for the boys and girls club here, and and uh, very exciting. Gary Gaba, question eight. Well, first of all, I'd like to say that uh, my experience with the boys and girls club, I I, I take care of foster kids. Uh, been doing that for about five or six years, and. Uh, we definitely, definitely utilize the Boys and Girls Club for our kids after school um, because when you work, you know, a 40-hour-a-week job and sometimes more than that, uh, you can't, uh, you know, it, it's kind of hard to, to pay for a babysitter and that kind of thing. So the Boys and Girls Club is, is a great alternative and has been for us. Um, so I wanted to let you know that you're doing a wonderful job and, and, and we definitely really appreciate everything that you've done. Yes. yes. Now, a couple questions. Um would you tell us what kind of programs and stuff that that you guys do with the kids, field trips and things like that? And I know that, you know, there's a lot of boys and girls clubs around the world that are affiliated with the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, stuff like that. What are our chances of getting some big name to come down here to Podunk or Casper, Wyoming, and and visit with our children uh, way down here in the Midwest? Give them some incentive. Yes, yes, that's that's good. Um, uh, the kids, the, the, in the games room, we have games room tournaments that happen every day. Uh, and they're, I always say that some of the best uh, counseling happens around a pool table in central Wyoming uh, because that's when the kids open up their day. Uh, they have a trusting adult there, and, and uh, they, uh, they share things that are happening in their life, in their school, uh, and, uh, and really... Uh, like I said, open open up their heart, open up their world to us. Uh, we have um, a learning center where kids can go in and and get uh, homework free. It's it's all part of the membership, but homework help and tutoring, and uh, and also there's educational activities. Lego ro- robotics is really popular. We have an art room, and uh, the kids will do projects that they can take home, projects they can uh, put up in the club. Um, uh, painting, uh, origami, it goes on and on in the art room. We have a technology center uh, that was newly revamped and renovated, and uh, we have 50 computers in, in the uh, technology center, and the kids learn uh, uh, Internet safety uh, software programs that, that help them with their education, uh, and also uh, we have game time up there too. Uh, and, and we have a teen center area. And uh, that's for teens, and um, 
it, it, we we do a program called Cowboy Ethics there, and it's uh, it's it's a lot of fun. It's uh, teaching uh, um, ethics uh, through creative, um, innovative, experiential ways, and and uh, getting the kids to open up. We also serve a free snack and a free dinner every single night, uh, every single day, and every single night. So uh, that's that's part of uh, being, being a Boys and Girls Club member. We have a skate park that's adjacent to the Boys and Girls Club uh, that a lot of kids will come and, and enjoy the skate park. And, uh, and then we have two gym facilities. Uh, we run all the youth sports from uh, indoor soccer, youth basketball, volleyball. Uh, outside we do flag football, t-ball, coach pitch. Um, hundreds and hundreds of kids in our, in our sports leagues. And we also do daily gym games from dodgeball to uh, uh, tag games, uh, freeze tag, <laughs> uh, kickball, uh, some more soccer, uh, health and fitness um, stations and jump roping. We have that going on in the gyms. And uh, we, have, we have six locations. We have a location in Glen Rock, which is about 25 miles away. We also have uh, five locations here in Natrona County, which is Cat, Cat, the greater Casper area. And uh, over the years, we've had, we, we, have, we have had Gale Sayers uh, come and visit with us in, in a corporate event. Uh, Jackie Joyner-Kersey actually came in to the club, and she was part of the corporate event, but actually came to the club and talked to the kids. Of course, they weren't sure who she was, but uh, <laughs> she, was, she was really impressive. Um, we've had uh, Carl Mecklenburg. Uh, come in and uh, and and do some uh, assembly with the kids. Uh, Ruben Gonzalez, who's an Olympian, uh, he was a Boys and Girls Club uh, kid. He came in. Uh, he's come in and 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 visited with the kids. But we've been able to do some of that, um, but we want to do more because we know that. Uh, and I I believe that this is maybe a little controversial. Virtual, but I do believe that that we're all role models and and that we can make that impact. So, um, so yes, uh, we uh, we try to reach out to the former boys club, boys and girls club uh, alum now uh, to come to the boys and girls club here in Central Wyoming. Well, I don't know about you guys. That makes me want to be a kid again. <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> there you Before go. we take our break, and I ask you about phone, you got some for him, Galen? Yeah. What are your operating hours, and if you have time, can you explain the training that your staff goes through and how you put that together, your team? Sure, sure. Uh, our, our operating hours are three to eight in the main facility, which is it's a thirty-one thousand square foot facility, and that's that's called our that's our flagship, our main facility. The other clubs range from three to six and three to seven, and we have morning programs. And those, the other club branches are in the schools, and uh, and so yes, so the, the hours are open for all boys and girls uh, from six to 18, 18 years old. And the training that we have, we have background checks, and we have uh, we we do all we do drug testing, we do all of that, uh, as well as we have boys and girls club national training. Uh, times and so uh, when the staff is hired in, there's new professional orientation, and then there is uh, some national training that pertains to the uh, positions that the that the that the staff um, are related to. All right. Thank you. 
Well, you know what, um, Ashley, I was gonna, uh, I have a question for you. If, um, if a kid come off the street and they're going through a lot, you know, and what you say, well, you think everybody's role model, what training or what would you give that kid advice when they first come in, when they got all these problems and they don't, you know, want to do this, want to do that, just so defiant? What would you say to the kid? Wow. Um, first of all, that they're welcoming the Boys and Girls Club. I mean, we want them to succeed in the Boys and Girls Club. And so we, you know, it's, it's welcoming them in. And then um, building trust and relationship and doing that by finding out, you know, what, what is it that you like to do? What are things that, uh, uh, that, that interest you? And, uh, and then go and, and find that in the club. And that's, that's kind of the beauty of it. I mean, it's as big as your imagination. We can do anything and everything uh, in the clubs. We don't have a swimming pool, but we can do just about anything and everything. And, uh, and so it's really meeting the kids where they're at. And uh, one of the great principles in Boys and Girls Clubs is that we don't turn anybody away for uh, bad proof of character. So if a kid is known to be, you know, known to have challenges, known to be in the detention center, known to be at a behavioral institute, they're welcomed in. They need to respect themselves when they come in. They need to respect the adults and, and volunteers. They need to respect the facilities and respect other members. And it's their choice. So when they come in, everybody respects those four areas. And, uh, and they can make it. But it, it's, you know, it's encouraging. I, I love, uh, you know, life and death comes from the power of the tongue. So we speak life, you know. We choose to speak life in these kids and, and uh, give them a high five and, and take it from there. But it, it's, and it takes time. Uh, it takes time to build a, uh, that trust and relationship with the kids. But that's, that's, that's our training. That's what we're there to, to do. And one thing it sounds like is that you don't never give up on them either, and no, that's that that's no. special. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. We've had kids become our youth of the years that um, that uh, their, their mom or dad's in prison. Their uh, they were homeless. We had one uh, one of our members. Uh, um, his name's Lazarus. He became our youth of the year. He was homeless twice. Uh, challenged, you know, struggled in school, uh, but uh, man, just to us being there um, made all the difference, and he became a youth of the year. Uh, and those stories, they, they go on and on, and they really do. Wonderful. Well, Ashley, we want to thank you for coming on, and we really appreciate the job you're doing down there at yeah, the Boys and Girls Home in, uh, in Casper, Central, Wyoming. So thank you again. You're always welcome on the show. Love, love it, and uh, thank you guys very much. Thank you. Hey, guys, we're going to take a break, and we'll come back to a break. We're going to talk a little bit of something what I heard Chris Carter say today, and I know you guys kind of heard it. So this is Jay Lemon, host of Love and Sports Talk with TJ Hope and uh, the main man, Galen Daxton. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
If you're looking for a radio show about boxing, you usually can't find one until you stop by the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in to Outside the Ring with former world lightweight champion and U.S. Olympian David Diaz. We'll deliver the knockout punches with our guests as we go inside the minds of today's top fighters. We'll throw in discussion of other sports as well from time to time. Outside the Ring with David Diaz airs every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Kevin Lewis has been a student of the game his entire life, from Little League to the NFL. Tune in Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on Voice America Sports. Hustling with K. Lewis. It's not where you start, it's how you finish. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. For Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bench his ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You're hooked up with Loving That Sports Talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is James Loving, the host of Loving That Sports Talk, and we got Terry Jackson, TJ, and... You still there, Terry? I'm here. And we got Galen. Galen, that's you there, Galen? I'm here. Well, you know, guys, I hate to say, you know, Chris Carter, my best friend, you know, and, and roommate and all that, and when I played with the Eagles, but what he said kind of puzzled me. He threw himself under the bus, guys, didn't he? After you go out and, and pay people the bounty to protect you, what do you guys think about that? Isn't that a bad sign for the kids? <coughs> well, I'll start off. Yeah, it is. <clears throat> but, love, I think it's the reality of things. Um, and I think he was just being honest and candid. Why he would come out with it now, I don't know, but um, you you got you to gotta commend the guy for being honest. Maybe he doesn't think that anything could happen to him for for right now for that. But, um, it uh, you know, I mean, who knows? I, I, I'm assuming that it, it, he's saying it's nothing new. It was it's it, bounties are nothing new. So it sounds to me like 
every team within their organization has some kind of a little thing. You know, I'm not going to say every team, but it seems like it's 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 gone on for for quite some time. Yeah, I think he threw himself under the bus too, and you know, I mean. It's probably something that shouldn't have been said. You know, he could have kept that to himself. And uh, uh, but you know, he he put it out there, so it's up for debate. I, you know, I guess if someone put a hit out on him, he had every right to to pay somebody to make sure he was protected. You know, but again, you know, you make enough money in the NFL that you don't need to do those things, and so you know. Those things don't need to be done. You know, in light of everything that's going on, like with my buddy Junior Seau and, and uh, with other players who have committed suicide, you know, we have to be protected from ourselves sometimes, you know, and I think that's really the case. Even myself, when I think about, you know, how I've been pretty critical of uh, Roger Goodell in the past because of his stance on hitting and stuff, but now I'm taking a step back because, you know, sometimes we need to be protected from ourselves. And... uh uh, I think his 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 way of doing business is appropriate for the new league. You know. Also, love. I also got in my office right now, Coach Paul Roach, uh, who's sitting here. Coach Roach, how you doing there? Okay. How you doing, Coach Roach? I, I understand that maybe they were visiting a little bit earlier about those bounty hunters. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about that, Coach? Well. We had them. We had them, you know, one time when you were here playing, you know, but but they but they went out on weekends and they went hunting, you know, <laughs> with rifles and stuff. So, <laughs> so it's a different kind of bounty, I guess. But yeah, I, I think that's too bad. I think it's unfortunate. It's like you said, uh, love. You know, they have uh, they're making enough money and everything. They don't have to. They don't have to. They have to be doing that. Coach, do you think the punishment they got was good for them? The, the coach got suspended uh, for a year. I, I know. Well, 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 the coach they gave him a year, right? Yeah, and the right. players. And then one of the players got a year, right? Yeah. So I don't know. You know, I suppose it would depend too a little bit on, you know, who really was the the figurehead or the. For the person that uh, you know manipulated most of that and, and got it going or formed the group or whatever, you know what I mean? I right. suppose that, I suppose that individual or individuals they might have had a little bigger say, and as a result, maybe got a little more of a penalty. I don't know, but but it looks like they're going to appeal it, are they? Yes, they are. They're trying to. Well. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what. Coach, I have a question for you. The word was that the players said they was only going by the coach instruction to do the bounty. Now, should you fault the players or should you fault the coach? Because you're supposed to do what the coach say, right? Coach, when you told me to go out there and get off the field, I got off the field, right, Coach? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, you got a you got a point there. Uh, I I don't know how much. Yeah, you. It was a, it was a big mistake by him, you know. If he had anything to do with forming that group, or if uh, after it was formed, some of the players, if they went along with it and and uh, and 
joined the group, you know, and then uh, approved it, well, then that's the coach's fault. I mean, he's, he needs to get a year off, yeah. Well, I think this Terry Jackson coach, Coach Rhodes, the, the, the players also have a responsibility in this. It's not like they don't know right from wrong, regardless of, of, of what the coach, you know, got together or what he said. Um, and I understand what you're saying, Love, but at the same time, I mean, the player's going to have some responsibility. He knows right from wrong. He knows what he should and shouldn't do, especially if there's money being involved and offered. I mean, there, there's, there's more than just, you know, the coach to be, to be blamed here. Now, anyway, uh, more importantly, what are, what are you, how are you doing now, now? And where are you? Me, Coach? Yeah. I'm, I'm in Castle right now doing a show at the Boys and Girls Club down here, trying to educate the young kids, so, you know. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah. So if things are going okay for you? Yes, sir. Really good. You know, you, you taught us well, Coach. Well, I tell you what, you, you've done a really good job. And uh, not only as a player, I mean, did a super job as a player, but uh, then going, you know, getting your degree and all of that. And so anyway, I'm proud of you. Thank you. Appreciate all you've done for us. See you, Coach. Okay. All right. Appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, I'm all set. I got okay. a little quarter of Okay. Yeah. All right, but, Okay. Tell us if you've got any buddies around. You there, Terry? Okay, yeah, I'm here, love. That was Coach Rhodes, our famous coach. That um, man, he brought us through a lot of a great season and on and off the field. He taught us well, didn't he, Gaylor? Oh yeah, Coach Roach is probably one of the most influential. You talk about people who would be along the lines of the people who work at the Boys and Girls Club. Coach Roach would be there. You know, he made sure that his players got degrees. He, you know, he's always backed them. You know, he's one of my clients right now, and you know, he always supports us. He wants us all to do good. He was a wonderful coach. In fact, I don't believe there's a championship at the University of Wyoming uh, that he hasn't been involved in for, from way back into the '60s, from when we played. Love. I mean, he's always been involved in it in some type of way, and you know, he's also. Coached at the Broncos, he coached at the uh, Oakland Raiders. Uh, man, he's been influential throughout the country, uh, and you know football on every level. So you know he's a, he's a very good coach. You know, guys, I don't want to uh, get off without asking you guys this question. Like, and you, Galen, you play with you know Junior Seau, and you play with Atlanta and San Diego and Terry. Me and you have spoke about this before. You know. And Chris was saying that Bill Romanossi said that he was going to injure him. And he said he'd say that. We all know, and tell you, know, we talked about like, when you broke the guy's ankle, hitting him, you know, <laughs> running over him, right? Right. <laughs> but we all know when y'all on that field, your emotion high, you say things, and, you know, and I could believe these guys say those things. I'm going to hurt you. And, and it's almost like a bounty. Am I right, guys? In a, in a way, and I mean, you almost have to have that kind of attitude when you're when you're playing football. I mean, that's that's kind of crazy to say, um, but I mean, you have that what they call killer instinct. At least you hope to have, it. and I think every athlete does. It doesn't matter if you're running track or, or if you're playing a, a collision sport like football. I mean, you got to have what they call that killer instinct, that eye of the tiger, to go out there and get them. And um, you know, yeah, you you say things in the heat of battle that. Yeah, I know I have, uh, <laughs> but do they mean it in that context? And you know, that's 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 kind of hard to say. And it sounds like in 
in Chris's situation, he was he was threatened in a way by Romanowski, and you know he's like, uh-uh, that's not going to happen. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna put a bounty on you. You're not going to hurt me, and that very well could have been the case. I don't know. Well, you know, as a defensive player, our job is to intimidate whoever we're playing against. So we want to hit them, not to injure them, but we want to hit them to let them know that if they run the ball hard, that they are going to get hit very hard. So we, you know, as a defensive player, my goal was to make sure that that guy knew that if he came through the hole, I was going to hit him as hard as I could, and he was going to feel it. And so we wanted running backs tipping. We don't want a running back running his full speed. That means he's feeling comfortable. You know what I'm That's saying? That's right. That's right. And so if he if he's feeling comfortable, that means he's running over you. So you as a defensive player got to make sure that this running back, wide receiver, whoever it is, is very uncomfortable in the fact that he has to run the ball through the line. And, you know, that's the goal of a defensive-minded player. You know, or a fullback wants to run over defensive players to let them know that he's not going to tackle them. Absolutely. And so, you know, that's your mindset now. Do you want to put money on people to, to hurt them? No, you don't want to do those type of things. But you want to intimidate people out on the field as part of the game. And so... You know, it's, it's that's news to me about what Chris Carter said uh, because I, I can't see you putting money on to hurt people. I just I just can't see it. I know Chris personally, and Chris likes to talk. You know, so for me to believe that, uh, I can think Chris might say something to him. You know, mm-hmm. Chris can you can yeah and get you mad. You know, I I've been there with him. You know, even sitting there in the house with him, he yapping and get you mad. So I know Chris. Real personal, but you know, I'm glad Terry, you, you the offense and Galen, you the defense. When you out there, Terry, um, and you see Galen come up to you at linebacker, what in your mind are you looking to do to him? And Galen, when you see him coming, what in your mind are you looking to do to him? Because sooner or later, you guys, I know you, Galen, like, I'm going to put a hit on him, knock him out, make him fumble, make him hurt. And Terry, you like, I'm going to run him, you know? So what is in your mind, Terry, and then you, Galen? Well, you know, I'm thinking, and it, and it depends on the time. I mean, it depends on if I, how many yards do I need to get, okay? If I need, if I need five yards, what down is it? I mean, it just depends. But basically what I would try to do is I would not run away from anybody, although I could have. You know, I had the speed to do that. I purposely did not do that. I, I wanted to run them over because it made my job a lot easier in the second half um, running the ball because when you put your big thighs and knees on somebody who's trying to tackle you, uh, that's that's not a good feeling. Uh, or you get lower than them and give them that forearm shiver, you know, in, in the shoulder pads and underneath the chin, that, that that's not a good feeling. And they're going to think twice about wanting to tackle you. So that was my mindset, at least in the in, in the first half of the football game. Galen? Well, my mindset is that I'm reading, the, I'm reading their eyes. You know, I'm reading where, where, how they line up, if they're tipping, um, you know, if they're pointing toward the hole they're going to or their eyes are showing me where, they're, uh, where the hole they're coming to. And then I'm reading the fullback in to, through, through to the uh, halfback. And so I'm looking to see if they don't give me any keys, then my first key I look at is the guard where he's going to take me to the play. And so, you know, I'm looking at their eyes, especially after I hit them that first time, because then that lets me know if they're – you know if they're if they're going to come back at me hard again, or if they're just, if, if they're done or not. And I usually could tell that. And so I really uh, look at their eyes a lot to, 
it gives me a big indication of where the ball may be going and if they're intimidated, you know, by what I'm doing to them. Let me ask you guys this. I want you to be honest with me. Uh, and I know when I'm watching football and I see, you know, like we're playing like, say, um, Dallas, and I'm like, man, will somebody hurt Tony so he get out? You know what I'm saying? We all say that, right? I know I do. Yeah. Davis, <laughs> do you say that? Like, say? Man, I hope he get hurt. Well, we're not meaning it, meaning it, but right. think about the players that's on the field when they, you know, I got to get this play out of hurt them to get you. You know what I'm saying? You see how that could be the same as us sitting in front of the TV saying it? Oh yeah, I mean, you know, you say that. I mean, as a player, you want to, you you want the backup being in there. Right. <laughs> That's the bottom line. You want to, the best opportunity you for win to, for you to win is have the backup quarterback in there. Love. I don't want Deshaun Jackson in the game when he's playing the Cowboys. <laughs> oh, he's too I mean, fast. Course, I don't want him in the realistic. game. I mean, football okay. is a gladiator okay. sport. <laughs> and so okay. it's a physical court, and so you try to physically. You try to dominate physically. That's just the part of the game, you know. You know, so like some of the, you know, the the defenseless receiver hits and all that kind of stuff. I agree with. You know, you don't need a defenseless receiver being hit. You know, in our in our day, love. You know, if you missed the ball, that you was gonna get hit anyway. So you was good at bringing that ball across the middle or wherever it was. You brought it in, knowing that you was gonna get hit. And if you didn't, you was mad. If you didn't bring it in, you were mad because you knew you were gonna get hit either way. You know, you don't have to worry about that these days, which is good. Well, let me ask you this before we go to we close. We got seven minutes left. Terry, when when you hurt the guy ankle, did you feel sorry for him? And Galen, when you put a running back out, did you sit there and feel sorry for him? You were happy that you did that, right? Well, no, I wasn't. In fact, I didn't know I broke his ankle until uh, a year and a half later when I when I went to school with him. Um, I had no idea that I hurt him. Um, so no, and that that was not my intention. Um, it was a defensive play. I was running down on the that. kickoff. I'm not saying that you was happy, but what I'm saying was that was the best linebacker. Like say I'm coming up against Galen, like you know when I play defensive back, you know I didn't know. Oh man, I can't wait for Deion Sanders to get hurt because he kept covering me real good. So you know I mean it as that. You know when you do something, you like look like okay, he's not. I ain't got him on me no more. Almost like what Galen said, you want the second string to be in, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. I my intention was not to hurt somebody so that they couldn't play no more, you know, or even miss a season. But I definitely didn't want them in the game. You know what I'm saying? I was right. least thinking. I want them tipping. I want running backs tipping, you know, meaning that they're not running full speed, you know. And I want wide receivers looking over the shoulders, hoping that I'm not coming. That's what I wanted. I wanted intimidation like that, not really to hurt anybody. Because I want them to be able to, you know, especially in the NFL, that's your livelihood, and you have a short period of time to earn money in, in the NFL. So you definitely didn't want to hurt people in that regard. But I wanted them making sure that they knew if I was in the area that they were going to get, they was going to hurt. Well, Gary, we only got a few minutes left. I want to give this last few minutes to you, Galen. Kind of uh, reflect on the type of roommate that Junior said I was. If that's all right with you. You know, and the type of person he is. You get all these people saying this and that. You know him personally. And, you know, and I, I had a chance. I haven't had a chance to meet him or playing at him. But being in the NFL and knowing the type of person that he was doing things on and off the field. So go ahead and close it out, Galen, and tell us about, you know, experience you had with him. If that's okay. Is that okay, Galen? Oh, yeah, that's fine, man. Uh, you know, he was my brother, man. You know, he I, 
he called me his big brother, and he was my little brother, and he had just come into the league when we were playing together. And so, you know, we were very close. Uh, you know, we we attended Bible studies together. We, um, we, uh, you know, we just had a lot of fun. Every Friday we would go to TGI Fridays and get together with him and other linebackers. And so we always hung out together. Our families hung out together. And so he was just a good guy. And like they said on TV, he called everybody buddy. In fact, I went back a, a year after I had left San Diego. He wrote me a letter. And it was it, it made me cry and it made me laugh at the same time. It was just Junior Seau, you know. And in there he called me, hey, buddy, I miss you. You know, you're my big brother. You know, I didn't even know what to say to you when they left. You should have been here. You know, he was just building me up and, and, and making me uh, feel good. Uh, and, you know, he was still playing. I was done at that time, but, uh, you know, he was – he was at the top of his game, you know. But he considered me even though I wasn't his teammate anymore. And that's the type of guy he was. He was just going to be your friend. Uh, he was a superstar, but he was a superstar that didn't act like a superstar. And what I mean by that, he didn't take anything for granted. He practiced as hard as a, as a, uh, a free agent, and he worked as hard as a free agent as though he didn't have anything given to him. And he was a first-round pick. You know, and that was the most thing I, I respect about him is that he didn't take uh, advantage of his position um, and, and and slack on things. He worked as hard the first day he got there as the last day he left, and that's what I really, really respect about Junior Seau. He, he, he's one of those super, a lot of superstars in the league. You know, they take a lot of things for granted. They, you know, they slough all. Not him. He would work hard. Uh, because he wanted to be the best, and he was the best. And so, you know, he was a good man on the field, but a better man off the field. And I'm very sad. I'm going to go to the funeral on Friday. I'm flying in Friday afternoon, and, the, and they're having the evening service uh, at the stadium there, at Qualcomm Stadium, where we played uh, at about 6.30 or something like that. So um, it's going to be a sad, sad deal. But he has impacted his neighborhood and uh, his 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 his, uh, his city, uh, and he did things for the community that people around there love him greatly. So he was a great man. You know, Gavin. Like I said, I don't know him, but like you say, Gavin, we all and Terry know we all it's a family, we all brothers in this. You know. Yep. You might not talk to a person for three or four years, but you still have that brotherly, you know, thing. That's right. So. Just like hats off, and like I say, we want to thank um, Ashley Bright from the Girls and Boys Club in uh, Central Wyoming. And like I say, I, like I want to do with you guys, one day we come in and talk with them, and we sit down and do a show and get questions from the kids. You know, let them come to us and ask us questions. And like you say, we are the role models. So, another great show, guys. Thanks again, Galen and Terry. All right, thanks for having me. And next week, same thing, same bad time, same bad channel, right? All right. That's right. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. All right. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Loving That Sports Talk. But don't worry. James Loving will be back next week, Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to love more sports talk then. And keep in touch with James all week at lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Thank you.